I really thought you'd be taller. Those were the first words Emily Corwin ever said to me. For a second I thought I was Luke Skywalker on the Death Star and she was telling me that I was too short to be a stormtrooper. The thought, though fleeting, almost pushed my mind back to the days before the desert and the mountains. But the nostalgia of youth has very little power once you've seen the things I haven't done the things that I have done. The days of reacting quickly had long since passed by me, so I caught the basketball the little ten-year-old on the other side of the court had been passing me and tucked the orange globe under my arm in one steady movement. There was a deep twinge in my left shoulder that radiated down my side to my hip and non-existent lower leg as I pivoted and placed the whistle around my neck to my lips. The kid, seventeen in all, came to a halt as the clean, sharp noise pierced the air. They were good kids, the sons and daughters of servicemen and women still trapped in the sandbox on the other side of the world. When the Sarge had asked me during my recovery if I would be interested in helping out around the VA, I had no idea that I would be shepherding preteen kids around after school and on weekends. If he had told me, I would have said no, but apparently the old Sarge knew me better than I knew myself, and working with the kids over the last six months had done a lot to help put my mind back together and heal. Taylor, I said to the oldest, a 15-year-old black kid whose dad, like myself, was a marine recon trooper, Take the kids over to the pool and you guys have some free time and have some fun. He grinned. You got it, Gunny, he said, and the others took off for the other side of the complex. I stooped to pick up my water bottle from the floor and a spasm of pain ripped up the left side of my body. Even after all the time spent in rehabilitation and the fading and aging of the grit work of scars crisscrossing my hide, I still felt the pain. The doctor said the pain was 90% in my head, but it didn't matter. After the last of the kids had cleared out and the back half of the gym was left to just me and her, I remained quiet. I've never been a man to show my hand or reveal how much I actually knew in any given situation. It saved my life on more than one occasion during my rotations in the sandbox, but it did make it hard for people to figure me out. I was sure she would break the silence that was growing deeper and deeper between us first, but she just stared at me. If I had any doubt about as to whom the petite, dark-haired woman in front of me was before the standoff, the look in her eyes and subtle, wicked smile on her lips erased them. My heart skipped as the image of glowing lights in the Stygian darkness filled my mind and the smell of cinnamon and rancid pork filled my nostrils. I was the first one to break the silence. Do I know you? I asked her. I knew at this point who she was, but considering what she was most likely here regarding, I decided to keep my cards even tighter. The calmness in my voice surprised me. She looked at me and tilted her head ever so slightly to the right with an expression of her delicate elfin face that I would get to know well over the next few days. She knew I had no question as to her identity, but apparently she decided to play along. She thrust at her left hand and said, My name is Emily Colwyn. I believe that you knew my brother Danny. I was wondering whether I can have some of your time. I have questions I think only you might be able to answer. Just hearing the words in that voice with her New England accent, sounding so much like Daniel's, was more than enough to take me back to that moment. I could still... North Central Afghanistan, May 2002. Smell the hot sands.